Welcome to the Single Lady Estates podcast. My name is Bobby Wasserman, and I'm the founder of Single Lady Estates. Thank you for spending some of your time with us. We have a really important show today on how to stay safe during these crazy times. Surges in crime seem to grab the daily headlines, and while crime statistics are hyper-local issues, the overall trend for many types of crimes over the past few years is basically up. Here in Los Angeles, there has been an alarming increase in property crime post-pandemic. Since 2020, robberies involving firearms are up 57 percent, vehicle thefts are up 44 percent, and property crime is up over 5 percent. As a resident of Los Angeles, my traditionally quiet, pleasantly uneventful hillside neighborhood has recently been hit by numerous burglaries. The police response has been fantastic. Response times are short and neighborhood watch meetings and activities are up. So there is a better understanding of what's going on. So we are better able to have safety and security within our homes. And I'm grateful that my neighborhood's LAPD senior lead officer from the Topanga Division, Sean Dinsey, is here with us to discuss what's driving the general uptick in crime and provide us with some general safety tips that everyone can apply regardless of where you live. So Officer Dinsey has been with the LAPD for 24 years and has been a senior lead officer serving Woodland Hills for 13 years. Officer Dinsey worked the gang unit for over three years in the LAPD Foothill Division and has been recognized for the Seconds Count program that prepares schools and businesses for responses to violence such as active shooter. On a personal note, I'd like to say that our neighborhood is incredibly grateful to have an LAPD officer like Sean. We all have his phone number and email address, so we are able to reach him if we need him, and he is always responsive all hours of the day and night. Thank you, and welcome, Sean. Thank you so much, Bobby, for having me on your show. This is definitely a privilege to talk about some of the things that are happening in the city of Los Angeles, but I'd like to really take a chance to get more in-depth about who I am. I come from a background of LAPD officers. Uh, my dad was retired LAPD deputy chief with 34 years on. My mom was a retired civilian with LAPD with over 30 years on. I have two brothers. Uh, I am uh, currently married for 18 years with my beautiful wife. I have a 17-year-old daughter. I have a 14-year-old son that I currently am coaching his soccer team and also part of the AYSO soccer board that I have the opportunity to help build out their program. And uh, on a personal note, I have two dogs, three cats, one Holland Lop bunny. Uh, please, if you do have rabbits, it's probably not the best thing to keep them in your house because they chew up your baseboards. Uh, <laughs> but that is uh, part of my family. And I do have a typical cop mustache and don't mind a cup of coffee with a donut here and there. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I did not realize that your family has been of service for generations. Single Lady Estates is a national community, so I'd love for you to explain some overall crime trends and what's generally behind those trends. Obviously, I'm in the business of crime. In many cases, it's really kind of the negative world of what everybody has to deal with. And so I like to keep it a little bit light here and there because it is a little depressing to be talking about topics like this. And so when you talk about crime trends, you know, in your community, in your neighborhood, especially in the city of Los Angeles where I work, I'm assigned LAPD Topanga Division, which is on the west side of the San Fernando Valley, 
kind of butts up against LA County and uh, Calabasas area. And you know, citywide, we're seeing a huge increase of crime. Uh, it's not just property crime, which is concerning, even though everyone's impacted by crime. It's the violent crime that I'm really kind of concerned about. Property crime is something where it could be replaced. You know, everyone works hard for their property and, and no one deserves to have their stuff taken. And, and it does play on the psyche, but violent crime is definitely the true victimization of society. And that spike of violent crime in our communities is actually impacting our neighborhoods. And, you know, it's just to throw out some ideas and of what I'm talking about with violent crime, you know, in, uh, 2013, uh, in the city of Los Angeles, we had 16,524 violent crimes. Uh, in 2021, we have 30,078 violent crimes. I mean, that's a huge increase. And there's some cause and effect things that we're going to probably I'll bring up later in the podcast that could be causing that. Uh, and then you look at property crime. In 2014, we had 83,139 property crimes. Uh, in 2017, we had 101,618 property crimes. In 2019, we had 95,169,000 property crimes. In 2020, we had 86,474 property crimes. In 2021, we had 90,090 property crimes compared to 2014, which was 83,139 property crimes. Doesn't seem significant, but we actually, property crime was decreasing all the way up to about 2014 until we started seeing an increase. And, and the pandemic played a little bit into that. I can understand, like with everyone home for the past 18 months, it's really not surprising that property crime went down. But now as people are out more and property crimes are on the increase, what are you seeing now that has surprised you or is different, maybe more sophisticated than pre-pandemic? And I was also curious if there was a link between violent crimes and property crimes. This trend is probably caused by multiple factors. There are some laws that have changed going back to about 2009 that have kind of created this mess. Uh, the pandemic played into it too, maybe amplified it a little bit more. But I kind of actually saw this on the horizon. I knew this was going to happen because I was kind of barking about it back in 2009, that we're going to have some problems coming our way. And a couple of those laws that change, um, and just to give you some ideas of those laws that have changed, is that in, uh, in 2009, our state legislators actually increased the value of property crimes that if you steal something over that amount, it would be considered a felony. It originally was $400. If you stole more than $400, that would turn into a felony. In 2009, they increased that theft threshold to $950. So you could steal something over $950 and it would now be a felony. But let me tell you, $950 is a lot of money. $400 is a lot of money. So starting with that trend, you started seeing an increase in, uh, you'll start see, started seeing an increase in crime. And then due to an actual state lawsuit by inmates in the state uh, jail system, saying that there was inhumane conditions and that the jail system uh, was not capable of humanely taking care of all those that are actually in the jail system. The lawsuit caused the judge to order the state prison system to say, hey, listen, you need to reduce your prison population by a certain amount. And so what that created was uh, the state legislators had to create now something that would help reduce that prison population. And that prison population you know, more than likely would end up back on the streets. And so that 
started kind of the downward trend, if not the upward trend of, of the problems and issues that we're seeing today. Okay, wow. So focusing on homes, in your experience, can you segment out home invasion and burglary crime types by gated community versus traditional single family home neighborhood and condos and townhomes versus single family homes? You know, people think that when they live behind gates and a lot of, you know, locations are, are, you know, especially condos and townhomes are behind gates, you get this sense of security that, or more of a false sense of security that you think that you're actually in a safer place. In fact, that kind of lets your guard down and then you kind of open yourself up to uh, the potential for being a victim of a property crime, Um, especially in, say, apartments too, is do you think that your vehicle, say, is in a is in a safe place and it's gated, but it doesn't take much for someone to come in behind someone that's actually entering into the complex, follow them in, and then, uh, you know, they have the entire parking lot to themselves. And then another thing with, say, townhomes and condos is, you know, I don't know if there's the same sense of community that you may have in a residential area. Really, the, the only thing that seems to be the focal point for, say, a townhome or a condo or with an association is usually the HOA and the HOA kind of is the director of or or the leader of say a neighborhood watch and and every once in a while you get a community member from the condos or or townhomes that actually step up and actually organize say a neighborhood watch program but where you find a a majority of your say your neighborhood watch programs and areas that actually really the people come out of their houses and and work together and talk to each other and really look after each other uh, is, is really in the residential area but like I said, anyone can step up and, and be that leader and organize your community to look after each other. Do you find that in like condos and townhomes or even gated communities that if your guard is let down, do you find that there are more crimes that occur like maybe farther apart, but in clusters? It's not just one unit or house that's hit. It is several and then they go away? Or is there a pattern that would differ from a single family home neighborhood? I mean, obviously, when you have multiple units um, right next to each other, you would assume that the possibility of, you know, multiple people being victim of, say, one person or or two people is greater. Um, I don't see it so much being the trend uh, for that, the one thing, if there's one thing where you're more likely or, or there's multiple victims than, say, a condo or townhome complex is actually mail theft. The community mailboxes get broken into all the time. And the purpose of breaking into those mailboxes is to steal your identity. Uh, and so actually during the pandemic, one of the biggest crimes we saw uh, occurring was because criminals really couldn't go out and break into houses they probably were breaking in some cars. Even the criminals were a little scared to go out and about because they didn't know, you know, what COVID had to offer for them. Uh, and so we found that a lot of the condo complexes, apartment complexes, townhome complexes, their mailboxes were actually broken into. And so we ha- we saw an increase of actual identity theft. Interesting. That leads me into my next question. Maybe the mailboxes specifically you can address, but what are the different types of security that you would recommend for the type of home you have, whether it's a condo, townhouse, or a single-family home? I don't think it really changes. The only thing that really changes when it comes to you know, how you secure your property is, is the level of control you have of your property, right? Because you have to fall within the guidelines of the HOA 
uh, because the HOA kind of controls what you can or can't do. I know where I'm seeing a little bit more control by owners of townhomes and condos uh, and even apartment complexes. They're actually using ring systems or uh, Wi-Fi uh, camera systems at their front door to help deter actual people from breaking into their complexes or, or their apartments and or it really becomes a deterrent to say, hey, maybe I'm not going to break into something because I got captured on camera. I once had a security company technician come over to my house and I asked for him to install more alarm pads uh, on my windows. Uh, and obviously you want to look at the places where somebody could break into your house, right? Or your, your, your residence, your, your weak spots, right? Those are the places that you want to alarm and make sure that they're covered, whether with cameras or with uh, alarm systems. And so this guy came over to my house and he said, why do you want more alarm pads on your house? I said, because I brought you to my house to install them. That's why I want them. And he said, well, you've got all the necessary uh, security measures. I said, I do? How do you know? And he said, well, I'll tell you what they are. I said, okay, tell me. He said, well, when I'm walking up to your house, you have a gate around your house, uh, which creates, I guess, separation from the actual street, so it doesn't make it as easy for someone to access to your front door or your property. And then he said, uh, you have an American flag out in the front of your house. I said, huh, interesting, American flag. What does that mean? He said, well, you have an American flag, so more likely you're probably going to have a gun in that house. I was kind of surprised by that. When he picked that off, that's what he thought was, was something that, say, the criminal was looking at. And then he proceeded to say, well, you got dogs. They cause noise. Uh, and so uh, not all criminals like to go into a house where there's dogs. The cats, eh, they don't care about the cats. The dogs, yeah, I think the dogs could be a little bit of a, uh, an issue for them. And he just proceeded to the laundry list, all these things about my house uh, that he said, I don't need any extra security. So pretty much what he did is he criminally profiled my house uh, or as a professional security company, profiled my house and said, hey, listen, you're doing all the right things. And so that's good. As a police officer, that feels good. And, and that's the stuff I preach. But for him to tell me that, that was interesting. What you're saying is, is that so the security that you would have, like even for a single family home, you would really carry over if it's a condo or a townhouse. Are there different things that you would look for? So it's almost like you have to start over every time you go to a new location. You almost have to look at your house as if, what would a burglar do, right? What would a thief do? What would a criminal do? If you're looking at your house, where are the spots that are vulnerable, right? Everyone's got vulnerable spots in their house. But the problem is, is everyone's so excited to get in their house. It's, it's kind of on the, the back of their minds of the last thing they think about. But the first thing you should be really thinking about is obviously securing your property. And then the second thing is, is the same as an alarm system or all these security measures we're talking about. Your neighbors are as much as the solution to protecting your property as the physical items you actually put in your house to protect it. If someone's looking to be part of an HOA or looking to buy in an HOA, what are some of the questions that someone might ask about security that could be used as a more of a safety barometer to ensure that that development or HOA has safety as a priority? The first people I go to is not going to be the HOA. The first people I'm going to go to is the local police department that you live in, right? And reach out to that community liaison to get a lay of the land of what's going on in that neighborhood. 
right? They have the best view of, of what's going on in that neighborhood. Then there's also another website you could actually go on to called crimemapping.com. And uh, that gives you the opportunity to be able to look at the crime maps in the area and see what's going on in my neighborhood. Because a lot of times the HOA, you know, there's a lot of politics that goes into the HOA and, and sometimes there's some egos and sometimes there's some power control things that happen in HOAs. So, so um, you know, I don't know if you're going to get the best answer from them. I would say the last thing you would do prior to actually going into or, or reaching out to your HOA is find out all that information first so you can actually approach them with that information and see how they respond to it, right? And then, then you can say, hey, what measures are you doing to actually uh, protect this community because A, B, C, and D is happening around you per LAPD or, or you know, the local police department. You know, what measures have you taken for your property to actually better secure it? Oh, that's excellent. And if we shift to a single family home neighborhood, as a single woman, or whether you're professional or you have kids or don't have kids, what do you want to look for or avoid in your house purchase? You know, that is the million-dollar question. Um, I, I don't know if there's one particular thing that you're looking for um, when, you're, when you're searching out for that new home. Your neighbors the, or the neighbors, uh, neighboring houses from the house you're looking at ha- have been living there. You know, they know the neighborhood. They, they understand the issues. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I guess your worst-case scenario is you move into a house you weren't uh, given information about a, a nightmare neighbor, you know, that, that is causing all kinds of havoc, you know, but really if you're looking at a house or you're looking at a specific location, a condo, a townhome, an apartment, um, you kind of have to do your homework. And it's actually a breath of fresh air to actually get a phone call from a resident or a prospective buyer uh, that's looking at a property. And they actually ask me, Hey, what, what's going on in that neighborhood? What's going on um, what do you see that um, I should be worried about? Because that means that they're doing their due diligence to actually figure out, you know, or what am I, number one, looking for? Is this what I'm looking for? Do I want to get involved in that? And or, and if I do get involved in that, is it going to take, you know, some work to actually make my neighborhood a lot safer? So, you know, uh, and, and the way the prices of houses are, a lot of people have no choice. Yeah. The, you know, I got to tell you one thing I'm really impressed with in my neighborhood is that we really look out for each other. We're all ages, ethnicities, all political persuasions, and we really look out for each other through Facebook pages, group texts, uh, neighborhood watch meetings, as well as the occasional block party. Are there any tips you can share on some best practices for growing and maintaining a strong, safe neighborhood? So the neighbor, your neighborhood, your community is the first line of defense for any issue, right? You know, with the introduction of social media, uh, it really opened doors to your neighbors. There's a uh, website that you can go to. I guess it's a social media website that called Nextdoor, where you have the opportunity to be able to communicate with your neighbors. You know, working with your neighbors is huge, right? They're the ones that should be looking after your house, right? I, I wish there was more police. I wish, to, you know, when you live in the city of Los Angeles, as big as we are, you know, we don't have that many police officers, right? We don't have enough to be able to patrol all these streets. And really, the only way that you bring a police officer in your neighborhood is a radio call. You know, something bad's happening or you get ahead of the game and you reach out to your local police department and, and become involved, 
right? Reach out to your, your community liaison officer. And with LAPD, it's a senior lead officer. And, and LAPD has done an outstanding job of creating liaison officers for their community, right? Their point of contact, right? Patrol officers don't have the opportunity to be able to reach out to you, go to your block parties, do neighborhood watch meetings. It's your senior lead officer that actually has those opportunities, right? And and if there's questions, concerns, or issues, you know, that, that senior lead officer should be part of that community, right? And that neighborhood watch group around that residential area is only as good as the people that get involved. Yeah, you know, in our neighborhood, uh, during a recent break-in, it only took five minutes for the burglars to get in and out with goods. It was a Sunday afternoon with a lot of people around, and the LAPD took less than 12 minutes to respond. And that response included two helicopters and six patrol cars, which was, it, you know, it was like Armageddon. <laughs> it was it was terrific. <laughs> uh, I, I wish that was the response all the time, though. So let's say you've done all your homework and you've installed a great system and, and you still get burglarized. What do you need to know from that point on? When you live in a big city... Uh, you, there has to be an expectation in your world that there's a potential that you could become a victim of something, right? Um, right now, we're seeing catalytic converters getting stolen left and right. Why? I, I don't know. I don't know why that's the big ticket item. Uh, literally, we're getting video surveillance after video surveillance of literally people pulling up a carjack uh, in the middle of the night on your driveway, and they have this saw, this uh, rechargeable saw that they're going under your car, removing your uh, exhaust system. Uh, for, and they're looking for the precious metals uh, that are in the exhaust system, and they're you know taking off with them. And, and we're, we're we're seeing this. I mean, it's a big spike right now. Uh, but you know, living in a big city, you have to expect that you're going to be a victim of crime. So what that should make you do is become more vigilant, right? A lot of times, and in, in our our world today, you see a lot of people in their cell phones. In fact, I work the MTA, the transit which is down in the rail system and also the bus system. And a majority of the time when you're watching people move from point A to point B, their heads are down in their cell phones, right? They have no idea what's going on around them, right? And I get it. You have a lot of things going on in that cell phone, but it's such a distraction. So until you're in a safe spot or safe place to be able to actually, you know, access your cell phone, you should really pick your head up and really look around uh, because victimization is the biggest you know, true victimization where you're, you say you lived in a, a plastic bubble or you lived in a, in, in a kind of, uh, you know, nothing will happen to me. And then once you get your bubble burst, then that victimization is really hard to deal with. So, you know, living in a big city, you know, how you prevent and deter becoming a victim is, is just be aware of your surrounding, you know, be vigilant, uh, you know, don't don't allow the common thief or the, the criminal to take advantage of you. Uh, you know, when you go to the gas station, you know, your head should be on a swivel. It shouldn't be in your cell phone. There is. The criminal is looking to prey on somebody. So, you know, don't be the easy target. It really is, is what you should do. And, and obviously, be proactive. You know, reach out to your police department. Reach out, uh, reach out to your neighbors, you know. Communicate on social media through all those different networks that really help exchange information. Just be aware uh, and, and if you could prevent those things from happening, that's great. But now you become a victim of a crime. It's the unknown that's so scary. Yeah. So here's the million dollar question. What can residents do to help the police do their jobs more effectively when it comes to home and neighborhood safety? You know, just be involved. With a minimal amount of police officers that we have, right, we just can't do it all. And LAPD has done a really good job of empowering the community to be part of that keeping everyone safe. In fact, we actually have a volunteer program at 
uh, LAPD divisions now, where you actually get to go drive around in neighborhoods and look out for potential crime. Not that they're really witnessing much crime, but really it's a, a it's a force multiplier and it's a, another uh, vehicle out there that actually states Los Angeles Police Department. And really, the community is the force multiplier. And the more people we have out and about that are eyes and ears, that are looking after their community, uh, and actually able to report the information that is needed to prevent and deter crime, that's the goal, right? You don't want to wait till you become a victim. You want to get it, you know, take care of before it happens. Yeah. You know, in our neighborhood, we have this coffee with a cop. I guess in the whole, in the Topanga division, they have a coffee with a cop. And I think that's weekly where you can meet and ask questions. And it's really getting to know the officers. I've never seen that before in anywhere I've lived. In, and I've lived in several states. And I just think it's terrific. It's all about the relationship, right? There's business relationships. Uh, there's family relationships. There's work relationships. Uh, and then there's the community relationship. And at least Los Angeles Police Department, and, and not every division has it down, but the relationship between the officer and the community is huge because just like you mentioned at the beginning of, of this podcast is you have my cell phone and you have my email, right? I'm the point of contact for your community. If, if something happens uh, or, or, you know, once again, it's the unknown, if something happens in the community, you want to know, right? Because the unknown is actually what scares people the most. Why is a helicopter flying over my head right now? Right? You know, they think, you know, a murder suspect is 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 running around on, on the loose when they don't realize it's just airship that's circling over a, a property making sure that the house wasn't broken into, right? So, being able to answer those questions to answer the unknown is actually the goal. And once you actually, you know, learn what that information is by having that relationship with that community liaison officer, right? It's half the battle. You are now that much more empowered to protect your neighborhood or have that information to know that, you know, things aren't as bad as, as what they seem per se. I would like to ask you really quickly a very, very broad question on domestic violence. So for women out there who are on the other side of an abusive relationship and are now living on their own, either with or without children, is there any advice you can offer on what to look for in a new home or neighborhood that will help improve their peace of mind? You know, that is, that is a good question. Um, you know, we, we deal with, um, you know, different levels of, of domestic violence. And in fact, right now, uh, I'm currently working with someone who uh, went through a bout of domestic violence and which caused them actually to be homeless uh, and and addicted to drugs um, because of uh, depression. And so that uh, really drove her into that, uh, you know, into that world. And finally, she's been able to, she's been able to pick herself up uh, and is now empowered and sober and, and doing really well, but she's still a victim of domestic violence. So, you know, the one thing I you know, say for any victim of domestic violence is, is you have to empower yourself to take back control, right? You know, that is the, the goal, right? You're in control. You're the one making the decisions. Uh, your family, uh, your kids are, are what you fight for. Uh, so once you're empowered and, and, you know, past the part where you're going to be a victim of domestic violence anymore, then obviously working with your neighbors uh, to help look after you uh, in the event you're having problems or issues with your significant other, uh, you know, 
really it's it's once you're empowered then it'll help you empower yourself to make sure that you build the boundaries around your your new home or your your new place right because you know your your protection your safety is the utmost and obviously making you know making sure your children's safety is also uh, very important Excellent. And for our final question, so from a seasoned police perspective, what are the top three pieces of advice you'd give to women homeowners or women looking to purchase a home on their own? (laughs) My daughter, I do not like uh, her going out and about uh, without any type of self-defense. I want to make sure she's able to protect herself. I want to make sure she's aware of what's going on in her surroundings. Uh, and just uh, and really uh, be empowered to respond to it if something does happen. I don't know if there's three things that I would necessarily list out per se, uh, but you know, uh, self-defense uh, is always a great empowering uh, you know for mind and body to know that in the event something ever does happen, you know, you're, you're coming home and all of a sudden there's a weird car in front of your house, right? Do you pull into your driveway? Uh, if you don't know who's who's in that car, you know, th- I guess that's a common sense decision. You know, if you're walking down the street and you see someone behind you, do you just keep on walking down the street with your head down and your phone? Uh, no, you get pick your head up and, and you confront the threat and, and or put yourself in a situation where you're uh, in a public place where you can make sure that you're in a safer place. So really, at the end of the day, it's about common sense. And if you can use the common sense, pull your head out from your phone when you're in positions of weak spots or weak locations where, where you could be confronted, um, really just be empowered to know your surroundings, you know, know that you can react to it uh, and, and put yourself in the best position to win. Excellent. Sean, thank you so much for your time today. I know that you're incredibly busy and you've offered some really incredible tips and insight for what's going on today. And I just, you know, in this age of technology, we tend to think of communities as only online and virtual. Yet I think that our discussion today really goes to show that knowing your neighbors and being involved in your local community is so important to keeping you safe and just having a better home ownership experience. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your show. You know, your show is empowering women to take back control um, and really and know what they need to do when they're moving into, you know, a new environment, right? Because once even the unknown of a new environment uh, is scary, right? It's exciting, but it's a little scary at the same time. But knowing that there are opportunities for them to take to make their community safer, make their area safer, make them safer, make their families safer uh, is, is the goal. So thank you everyone for listening to the Single Lady Estates podcast. To learn more about the information that Officer Dinsey discussed and to join our community, go to our website at singleladyestates.com, connect and engage with our community, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Thank you.